He has risen. Amen. Amen. And that's the, the awesome truth that we get to declare together on this morning. And in case you didn't know, that's what we do on Easter. We always declare, he has risen. And then you reply back, he has risen indeed. So I may have caught you off guard there. He is risen. He is risen yeah. Does that really matter? Yeah, it matters big time. You know, every Easter, it seems to me that we need to answer one of two questions. Either the question, is it really true? Is there a historical fact? And is there genuine evidence to declare that he really has risen? Or we simply ask the question, why does it matter? What's the spiritual implication of the resurrection? So the last two years, 2020 and 2021, we have given the attention to, is there evidence for the resurrection? And so we're not going to look at that this morning. If you have that question, I hope you would text it in because there is overwhelming, genuine, historical, physical evidence for eyewitness testimony for the resurrection of Jesus. But this morning, we're going to answer this simple question. Why does the resurrection matter? What's the significance of it? And we're going to probe at some depth the reality of why the fact that Jesus rose from the dead makes a difference in our life. So we're going to be in multiple different passages in the scripture. If you have a Bible with you, I invite you to turn with me first to 1 Corinthians 15. If you don't, no problem. We'll have the scripture up here on the screen so you can see it. But if you have a Bible, always better to able to see it for yourself in your Bible. So turn to 1 Corinthians 15 if you have a Bible. And we're going to look at first the question, why does it matter? What's the big deal about the resurrection that Jesus rose from the dead? So go to 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to start in verse 17. Why does it matter? Verse 17, 1 Corinthians 15. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is, say it, your faith is worthless and you are still where? In your sins. So this cuts right to the core. Verse 17, why does the resurrection matter? Because it's the cornerstone of forgiveness. If Jesus was not raised, you and I are still in our sins. There is no possibility for forgiveness. Why? Simply this. We would still be in our sins because we would still be guilty for all that we have done wrong. No sane, connected to reality person isn't prepared to admit that they've done wrong, that they have not lived a perfect life. And because we have not lived a perfect life, we are guilty before a perfect and holy God. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, we'd still be guilty. Why? Because if he's not raised, he's still sinless. Excuse me, he is not sinless. If he is not raised, he is not sinless because Jesus said, maybe you don't know this, but Jesus said, destroy this temple, destroy this body, and I will raise it up on the third day. He declared while he was still alive that he would be raised from the dead. And if he was not, 
he's a liar. And if he is a liar, then he cannot be our substitute. See, the power of the cross of Jesus Christ is this. There were many people who died a horrible death on a cross. The uniqueness to the power of the cross of Jesus is that on the cross, Jesus said that he who knew no sin, never did a wrong, did live a perfect life. That he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could then become the righteousness of God in him. So if he's not alive, then he's not sinless. And if he's not sinless, he can't be our substitute. He can't take our sin because he has his own. But because he was raised, he was perfect, and he can be our substitute. If he isn't raised, what's that make our faith? Do you remember what the text said? You said it out loud. If he wasn't raised, what's that make our faith? Say it. Worthless. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. The resurrection of Jesus is the cornerstone of forgiveness because if he wasn't raised, we're still guilty and our faith is worthless. Oftentimes, I'll find people who say this, ah, I'm just not sure I have enough faith to believe in Jesus. I want you to know this. Jesus says a mustard seed, the smallest seed you can imagine, is enough faith. Because, listen, faith in Christ is not about how much faith you have. Faith, the key is the object that you place your faith in. Let me illustrate simply. If uh, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback for the Jags, decided to come to our house for lunch today, enjoy some of my wife's good cooking, and after lunch I said, hey, why don't we go and throw some football in the backyard? And we throw a little bit, and then I say, so, Trevor, uh, <clears throat> you think you could throw the ball further than I can throw the football? He says, I probably think so. But if you had enough faith in me, if you had enough faith in me to throw a ball further than Trevor Lawrence, could I? Okay, maybe you're confused about me. <laughs> I can't throw the football out of my yard. If I stood on one side of my yard, I can't throw it out the other side of the yard. Trevor Lawrence can throw it outside of my yard, my neighbor's yard, and my neighbor's yard. It does not matter how much faith you have in me or put it the other side. I don't care how little of faith you have in Trevor Lawrence's ability to throw a football further than me. It doesn't matter how much faith you have because he can still throw a football further than me. It's not the amount of your faith. What is it? It's the object of your faith. And all the scripture is saying is this. If Jesus is still dead, it doesn't matter how much faith you have because it's worthless. You're believing in a dead guy. And all the faith in the world won't help 
you believing in a dead guy. But if he is raised, the littlest of faith will be enough faith because the object of your faith is the point. You can have a whole bunch of faith in thin ice and you'll still get wet. Or you can have a little bit of faith in thick ice and you'll be dry. You see, Mohit? The scripture says the resurrection of Jesus, because it is a historical reality, it makes our faith worthwhile. Not the size of it, but the object of it. All right. If our faith is worthless because we are believing in a dead liar, what's that make us? (laughs) Fools. Very simply, if I am believing in a dead liar, I can't be forgiven. (laughs) I'm instead a fool. The text says it this way. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. And I want to acknowledge to you right now this morning that if Jesus was not raised, then I have lived a pitiful life. Because uh, I have based my entire life my entire marriage, the entire raising of my kids, the entire handling of my finances, the entire hope that I have in eternity, I've based that on what? Reality, that Jesus was raised from the dead. And so if that's not true, I'm a fool because I have gone all in, if you will, on that. Have you gone all in on the resurrection of Jesus? I find some people going, well, I'm not really sure. So uh, I put a few of my chips in, but I'm holding some of my chips back. You know what? That's the fool. You, You should either go all in or hold them all back. But to give a little bit of your chips to, well, maybe, hey, either be a fool and go all in or be a fool and hold them all back. I actually have gone all in without any hesitation that my life's foolish or to be pitied. Why? Because I have absolute confidence that the Jesus who died for me on the cross is the Jesus who got raised from the dead so that my sin would be forgiven and my faith worthwhile, however small it is, and my life, not a foolish life, but a life that declare, that the scripture declares this, the life that now there is now no condemnation for those who are where? In Christ Jesus. See, I've gone all in to a resurrected Jesus. I believe that in him, the condemnation that I deserve has been poured out on him. He's been my substitute and that my sin is forgiven. How about you? Are you counting on the resurrection of Jesus 
to be the foundation, the cornerstone of your forgiveness. I don't feel like I'm a fool. I don't think I'm a fool. What I think I am is free, free from the guilt of sin. So what else does the resurrection of Jesus do in our lives? Why does it matter? Second, it matters because it's the reason, the resurrection of Jesus is the reason that death need not be feared. If we learned anything in the last two years, people are scared out of their mind about dying. It's going across the world, the fear of death. But the resurrection of Jesus actually sets me free from fear of death. Why? Because Jesus is standing out, watch, he's standing outside the grave of a guy who died. And he's talking to the man's sister who's just beside herself that her brother died. And here's what Jesus says to the sister. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. So, I'm not saying, hey, believe in Jesus and then you don't have to fear death because you won't die. No, that's not the point. Death is a reality. The statistics are in, as often been said. How many die? One out of one. That's the stat. You're gonna die. It's not a matter of whether you die. It's a matter of will you, what? What's he say? Will you live even if you die? And he says, even if you die, if you believe in me, you'll live. You'll live. Even if you die. What's that do? Well, suddenly now I'm like, oh, I don't have to be afraid to die because if I, even if I die, I'll live. You, some of you are catching it. <laughs> even if I die, I'll live? Well, then why am I so freaked out about dying? I'm not. Death is a bear to the people it leaves behind. I'll grant you that. Death is a bear to the people it leaves behind. And death is the doorway to eternal punishment for those who don't believe in Jesus. But death has no power to freak out the believer in Jesus. Because I simply acknowledge, if I die, I'll live. Why would I be afraid? Every once in a while, the Lord gives us some reminders. Maybe you've gone to a funeral and you've thought, whoa, that's going to be me someday. And by the way, if you go to a funeral and you don't think that, you ought to. When you go to a funeral, you ought to think, hey, that's going to be me someday. Am I ready for that? Am I scared of that? I wasn't prepared for it last Sunday to be not in here, but laying in a hospital bed. And it turned to be a non-event. But it was a good reminder, Doug, have you said that you're not afraid of dying? Or actually when you're on the bed and the five doctors are around you, are you okay? Jackie wasn't okay with me being there. Because death's a bear to the people it leaves behind. But do the people who experience it, if they believe in Jesus, 
It's the doorway to what? Life. Eternal life. And church, do you believe that Jesus is raised from the dead? Seven of you. Excellent. The seven of you have no fear for death. You need not. Or maybe you still do. And I want to I encourage you. Let the resurrection of Jesus set you free from your fear of death. Let the resurrection of Jesus, because of what he said, that if you believe in me, you'll live even if you die. Let us say, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? See, it's still there. It just doesn't win. It's still there. It just doesn't sting. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. What's the world that mean? That means the result of death The result of sin is death, and the cause of sin is the law. But what has Jesus done? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear me, friends. The resurrection of Jesus matters because it's the cornerstone for my forgiveness. And it genuinely, in a world that is freaked out about death, sets me free from that fear. I'm going to die. But even if I die, I'm going to live. For those who believe in Jesus. A bear to those who are left behind. A doorway to eternal punishment. To those who don't believe. But freedom from fear. For those who do believe. Why else does the resurrection matter? It matters because it brings... New perspective to pain. This was really, really helpful for me as I meditated on the resurrection matters. Why does it matter? Because it gives new perspective to pain. Think about pain in your life. Because all of us have some amount of pain in our life. Disappointment, discouragement, disillusionment. Or maybe it's health, literal health, physical pain. Or maybe you're of relational pain. There's turmoil in your life because of what's happened in your marriage or your family, your extended family. Or friendship. Or you've got financial pain. Or you've got work pain. All of us have pain in life. And what does the fact of the resurrection of Jesus tell us about our pain? Listen to this from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Let me illustrate. I was carrying this in and somebody was like, oh, Easter, got the big Bible. Uh, No, this isn't the Bible. This is what's called a concordance. And for many of us, and you know if this is you right now, for many of you, you're like, man, the pain in my life is that. It's just big and heavy in your life. But what does the text say? The text says it's momentary and light. The text says that the pain that you feel in life that feels like this, it's like this. It's momentary 
and light. It's not this. This is, this is eternity. And this is my present pain. See, faith in Jesus is not a life. Oh, I'm free from pain? No. It's momentary. This is eternal. And it's light. This is eternal. You believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Would you be willing to say, my pain is momentary and light? We say that one more time, and then I'm going to invite you, if you are prepared to say that by faith, that as Jesus was raised from the dead to eternal glory, that we too will be raised from the dead to eternal glory, and that is weighty, that you would be prepared to say right now, my pain is momentary and light. If you're prepared to say that, say it. My pain is momentary and light. That's a radically different perspective. That's the resurrection of Jesus making a difference in my life. I see things. I see my pain for what it is. It it right sizes. Because for some, it's that pain that's dominating your life. It's ruling your life. It's the ditch that everything else in life is getting dumped into. You interpret everything through that pain. And as followers of Jesus who believe that he was raised from the dead and that because we have believed in him, we will be raised also, then we recognize momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. My pain isn't this, it's this that's producing this. That is the power of the resurrection. But the text goes even further. It says, it not only gives me new perspective on pain, it gives new perspective to my life. The life that I'm living now the resurrection of Jesus because I will be raised as he was raised. It gives me new perspective to my life. Here's the perspective. He says, just a few verses later, it's a new chapter, but it's just a few verses later. He says, for we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building. See, tent versus building. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Uh, The scripture is simply telling us this body, this life, what's it like? What's it like? A tent. Think about that. Your body, your life is like a tent. So you look around and you go, wow, people have different sized tents. Right? Some of you are young tents. Some of you are older, sagging tents. Right? How about this? Some of you have well-furnished tents. You've got all the latest gadgets and the coolest stuff in your tent. 
And others of you are looking at that tent and going, man, I wish I could have that stuff in my tent. You see what the scripture's saying? That, that we get so caught up on the condition of this, our body, and what's happening in our life, and we lose sight of the fact that what is my body and what is my life? It's a tent, and what happens to tents? All of them. No matter how bright and tight and cool they once were, what happens to all tents? They fall down. Some fall down sooner than others. But every tent falls down. And the scripture says, hey, get perspective. Life right now, it's a tent. It's going to give way to a palace. And so why? Why are you giving your life and ordering your life around a tent that will fall down when you have to look forward to a building that will last for how long? What's it say? What's it say? Eternal. Will last forever. This is good for my heart, good for my mind, good for my perspective to go, it's just a tent, Doug. It's going to fall down. Your life's just a tent. Your body's just a tent. It was given for a sake. You know what tents are good for? Weekend camping. What are tents not good for? Lifelong living. (laughs) There's a reason we live in a tent for a weekend and then have a house for the rest of life. And the scripture just says, it's not just a house for the rest of life. It's a palace that's made by God and will never fall down. Can I have your eyes for a moment? Are you getting consumed with your tent instead of the palace? Because one's going to last, and, one, and as sure as that one will last, is as sure as the tent will fall down. The resurrection of Jesus matters because it helps us right-size my pain and right-size my life to see it what it really is. It's like this. If you don't get tents and palaces, it's like this. You're going to live all of life on a tricycle, and then you're going to get a Tesla. Some of you are like, oh, now now you're talking my language. I can dig a Tesla. Except one that never needs to be charged. It's forever charged. So don't get stuck on this life. The resurrection of Jesus right-sizes my perspective. And finally, the resurrection of Jesus makes living a new life. See, key word here, living a new life possible. The resurrection of Jesus makes living a new life possible. My understanding of believing in Jesus, when I first believed in Jesus, listen, my understanding when I first believed in Jesus was that in him, my sin would be forgiven. I got that much. 
but I had no understanding, and maybe you don't either, I had no understanding that believing in Jesus was not only that my sin would be forgiven, my past, present, and future sin dealt with, punishment paid for by Jesus, but that I would now, in Christ, be able to actually live differently. To live like Jesus lived because the resurrected Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit now dwells in me. Here's how Romans 5 says it. If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, what's that mean? It means this. You and I were created for relationship with God. We were made by God for God to be one with God. But sin, our going our own way, doing our own thing, living for ourselves, separated us from God. Instead of one with God, we became enemies of God. And what Christ did is he, on the cross, took the sin that separated us from God so that we could be reconciled. We could be made one with him again. That's what the beginning of this verse means. If, while we're enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, so having been made one with him, we shall be saved by his death. Now, what's it say? Saved by his life. See, I understood solely this, that I'd been saved by his Death. I didn't understand I had been saved by his life. In other words, the resurrection of Jesus enables me to live as he lived because the living Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit now dwells in me. This is why Paul, he unpacks our being reconciled in Romans 5. And then in chapter 6, he moves to, it's not only by his death, but by his life. If, therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. In other words, that our faith in him united us with him in death so that his death became sufficient for our penalty. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father... So we too might walk in newness of life. Watch. If by faith in his death I'm reconciled to him, I'm made one with him, then when he is raised, then I'm not only one with him in death, I'm one with him in what? Life. So that I can live a Christ life. But how many of us live believing that he has forgiven me, but then continue to sin in the ways that we've always sinned, love and not love in the ways we've always loved and not loved, been as impatient as we've always been, been as filthy-minded as we've always been. We simply live lives that were great, that were forgiven, but not new lives. 
Are you living a new life? The resurrection of Jesus means that the sin that has always won in your life need not continue to win. Did you hear that? Because every single one of us right now, you know what it is. I don't know what it is. I know what it is for me. You know what it is. Every single one of us have a sin that easily entangles us. And you may have gone, well, praise God, through the death of Jesus, I'm saved. I'm forgiven. But you still live in that same sin. The hope of the resurrection of Jesus is that you would now live a new life, the life of Jesus, because he dwells in you. You can walk in newness of life. So the resurrection really matters. And every single one of us are posed with some really compelling questions, more than just one. I'm going to lead us through five questions that I think the resurrection invites us to ask ourselves. And to each one that you connect with personally, I'm going to invite you to believe in Jesus for it. First, some of us need to ask ourselves this. Why am I living a life overwhelmed by guilt and shame? when the resurrected Jesus offers all who believe in him forgiveness and cleansing. You don't need to write all this down. If you want it, email me and I'll send it to you. (laughs) But this is the compelling question. Are you overwhelmed by guilt and shame in your life? Why? Jesus says, believe in me and I will forgive you and I will cleanse you. I'll set you free from that guilt and shame. Why are you living in that? Jesus is raised from the dead so that you would not. Or you may be asking yourself this, why am I living afraid to die when the resurrection of Jesus turns death into a doorway into eternal life for all who believe? Why are you afraid to die? you are. Jesus invites you. Believe in me. And even if you do die, you'll, you'll live. Or you may be asking yourself, why am I living weighed down by pain and hardship when the resurrection of Jesus promises that the heaviest and hardest in this life is featherweight compared to the weight of glory that awaits believers in Jesus in heaven? Why so weighed down? Why so consumed? Believe in him. And right size. Life and pain with eternal weight. See it for what it is. Momentary and light. Or you may, probably all of us need to ask ourselves this. Why am I living as this life is as good as it gets? 
when the resurrection of Jesus reveals that the best this life has to offer is a tent in comparison to the palace that awaits those who believe in Jesus. Why am I living as if you only live once? Because that's not true. You get to live once in a tent, and you get to live, for those who believe in Jesus, eternity in a palace. Why so consumed by this life in a tent? Why am I living a life entangled by the same sins that continue to ruin my life and relationships when the resurrection of Jesus offers those who believe in him a life free from slavery to sin and the divine power to live a new life of victory over sin. Why am I still stuck? Why is the same sin? You know what it is. You're afraid that when I look at you, you think, he knows. I don't. The Lord does. And he says, I can set you free and enable you by the indwelling spirit to walk in newness of life. Believe in me. I'm not a dead liar. And your faith is not worthless. I'm living to make you able to live new. So what do you need from Jesus? Forgiveness? Freedom from fear? New perspective on your life? or new power, power to live a victorious life. I want to invite you to bow with me in this moment. If you need to be set free from forgiveness, set free from shame and guilt, I invite you to, to cry out to Jesus the one who died and rose on your behalf. Ask him, Jesus, would you forgive me? I admit my sin. I know I deserve condemnation. Would you forgive me? If you're afraid of death, I invite you right now in the quietness, wherever you are, to simply declare to Jesus, Jesus, I believe in you. That even if I die, and when I die, I'll live. Set me free from, set me free from that fear. It's easy to get consumed with this life, our bodies, our stuff, the things we fill our life with. I invite you right now to declare, Jesus, I believe that you are life. And that only you will satisfy. And only you, Lord Jesus, 
can give me a palace, a home in heaven that will never fall down. For the sin that continues to ruin and wreck your life privately or publicly, secretly. I invite you to say, Lord Jesus, teach me to walk in newness of life. I believe you've been raised. I want to walk in victory over sin. Lord, we worship you this morning because we recognize that in you and in you alone there is forgiveness and freedom, perspective and power. That our faith in you, because you're not dead and you're not a liar, our faith in you is worth more than anything else. Let's stand together and, and declare together that it is in Christ alone that we place our hope in our life. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This gift of love and righteousness.
Has risen, and it really does matter. Listen, if we can pray with you or for you in any way this morning, the scripture says he ever lives to make intercession for us. So it would be our privilege to pray with you this morning uh, here in South, out my left, you're right around the corner, straight out the back doors over in North. We would love to pray with you, that you might experience all that the resurrected Jesus offers to us in him. And then uh, next week, I want to invite all of you to join us. We're going to, beginning next week, start a new study in the Old Testament, actually in the book of Nehemiah. You may go, oh, I already know a lot about Nehemiah. You may go, I didn't even know there was a man named Nehemiah. Regardless, we're going to find tremendous truth in the scriptures about how God restores the broken and the burn through an Old Testament book called Nehemiah. So I hope you'll come and join us. We're back next week to nine o'clock or 1045, all right? Nine or 1045. If we can pray for you again, please let us do that. God bless. Have a great day.